0: now, let's get on with the show.
1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Compliance Conversations. I'm CJ Wolf, Healthicity's Senior Compliance Executive, and today we, our guest is uh, Jake Gertson, uh, who works with Intermountain Healthcare. Welcome, Jake. Hello. Uh, and Jake is a Technical Manager in the Professional Documentation and Coding Department of Intermountain Healthcare, uh, which is a large um, health system in the Intermountain West here with many hospitals, uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of doctors, um, and uh, and a health plan as well. So it's a very large system, and, and Jake works in a department that I used to work in many, many years ago. I hate to admit how many years ago. <laughs> Jake, tell us a little bit, before we get into the topic, today we're going to talk about telehealth services a little bit, but tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into um, the department and doing what you're doing? Because we all kind of come from different pathways into this.
0: Yeah, my uh, my education was in uh, healthcare management. Okay. I I have uh, actors of public health, and a previous job uh, was in a field related, but as I... Uh, I became acquainted with someone in the department and they introduced me to the services that are provided here and it sounded interesting and, and uh I applied and, and, and was accepted. So that's uh Great. It's a very enjoyable department to work in and uh get to interact with, with all with many different people, physicians, APPs and yeah. uh A lot of different people in administration.
1: Yeah, that's great. And how long have you been in your current role, or work? Let's just say in this department.
0: In this department, I've been a little over six years now.
1: Great. Well, very good. Um, And we appreciate um, your expertise in telehealth. You know, it's a it's a topic that we hear a lot about. But I I am guessing that there's probably some misinterpretation about what it is and what it isn't and that sort of thing. And you know. Um, maybe we could just kind of start there is, you know, what is telehealth? You know, there's these varying definitions. How do you keep the language clean and pure as you're talking about it?
0: Yeah. In regards to these definitions, it's really important to identify a common definition when you're when you're talking with someone about telehealth. Uh, unfortunately, so many different people have varying definitions. Some of these Uh, originate from industry, others originate from more of a payer perspective. The payers usually take the approach of what is telehealth from what we cover and not necessarily what the broader definition is. Gotcha. Uh, Varying healthcare organizations, healthcare providers will have different definitions that may not coincide with, with, with what a payer covers. So when you approach a payer and ask them, do you cover telehealth? It's important to understand what their version of telehealth is.
1: Yeah, um, that, that's a great point because they're concerned with what they're going to have to pay out. Whereas, you know, telehealth is is kind of an emerging. It's, you know, every year it's probably expanding into new areas, and and so it from a clinical perspective, it might just be what can we do appropriately from a quality standpoint in a telehealth manner, and they might be pushing the envelope on what you can actually do uh, versus payers may lag sometimes behind on what they actually pay. Is, is that something that you see?
0: Yes, we see that quite regularly across the board. Um, we, Medicare, uh, as many may know, has, has a very specific definition of telehealth okay. that is quite okay. limiting to what can be uh, paid for. Okay. Uh however, if you talk with another payer, their their definition may be a bit broader and a bit more comprehensive. So, because Medicare uh relies on the Social Security Act for their telehealth uh telehealth guidelines, any any uh expansion of their definition of telehealth is dependent on what Congress passes.
1: Right. It's legislative action.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. Tell me just from maybe from the layman's perspective some people, what's the difference between telehealth and telemedicine or is there even a difference? Do you hear people using both those terms interchangeably?
0: Yes, it it, it again depends on, on the organization you're talking to or the person or the payer. Uh, some use them interchangeably. Some use them as very different terms. Okay. Um, it there is one payer, for example, that has a very specific definition of telehealth and say, and identifies specific services that they call telehealth, and they have other services that they call telemedicine. Gotcha. And, and it doesn't, it, it's not, uh, it's not the same across across the industry.
1: So I guess the lesson here is it's just, you know, as you're having conversations, maybe coders or compliance folks having conversations with doctors or with payers and or even enforcement agencies, is just making sure everyone's clear on on what you're talking about, when you're talking about it, who's the payer, you know, what parameters are we talking about here instead of so using general terms that can confuse
0: people. Exactly, yeah. That uh, I, I identifying the common foundation for telehealth is very important. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but basically, you you kind of correct me here if I'm if I'm going to throw out just a not this is not necessarily a medicare definition or but if, if we're thinking about it in a broad sense telehealth is is some sort of remote medical service right you're either communicating via some sort of audio or audiovisual or uh, some means by which you know treating provider and patient are not in the same room i mean is that kind of work for most of this
0: yeah that that definition will work for most of it Telehealth, in the broadest sense possible, is just a collection of means or methods. And and, uh, I'm actually going to, I should tell you, I'm quoting the Center for Connected Health Policy because this definition is the broadest that I have been able to find. Great. They (laughs) say that telehealth is a collection of means or methods for enhancing health care, public health, and health education delivery and support Using telecommunications technologies, yeah. so this could involve yeah. a video where where the patient sees a provider, and it's interactive. It could be over the telephone. It could be something called remote patient monitoring, exactly. where yeah. that where uh, you may be t- you may be having vital signs taken that are electronically sent to your provider. That's right. So there isn't actual interaction, but the provider uh, receives the data electronically and then may give you a call if your blood pressure is, is uh, a little higher than it should be and is able to titrate medication.
1: Right. Way. Well, and you know what fascinates, so there, fascinates me on all of this is, you know, you know, 10 years ago, I don't know, 15, 10, probably 10 years ago, none of us were carrying around these phones. Um, and just in 10 short years, look at what's changed. And I think that's, that that general movement is going to happen and be affected in healthcare as well, right? We're going to try to use technology to advance convenience, um, you know, cut down costs. How much better is it to monitor somebody remotely if you can do it accurately? Um, Than that, instead of bringing that person into an emergency room or something, right, where they have to have it done in person. So there could be a lot of uh, advantages for humanity and for medicine moving forward in this area.
0: Exactly. Yeah, there there are cost savings that are to be found. Patients can save hours of time if they don't have to travel 2 hours if they live in a rural area and they need to see a specialist in a in an urban area, they might be able to save 2, 3, sometimes more hours if they can utilize telehealth and uh, providing, of course, that those, uh, those services are medically appropriate to be done. Yeah,
1: but that's great. You know, we probably could talk all day about kind of these definitions and stuff. I kind of like that stuff. But let some of our listeners are probably like, all right, CJ, shut up. Let's get to some things about what's covered, right? So maybe we could talk about coverage and maybe some of your experiences. Maybe we start with the kind of there are some state private payer parity laws out there. Can you comment on, on that type of action that's going on?
0: Yeah, so various states are in, are passing legislation to ensure that uh, telehealth coverage is, or telehealth reimbursement happens. Right. Uh, currently, there are 39 states in the District of Columbia where they have some sort of payer parity laws. Some of these vary drastically, though. So some of them... Will mandate that payers have to pay for telehealth services that are provided to their uh, provided to the patient, where they're where they're provided to the patient in a in a way that uh, mandates the payer coverage at the same rate
1: as Um, if they were to have it done in in person or something.
0: Right, exactly. And whereas other states require just the same coverage they don't require the same payment rate so it depends on the state it depends on the coverage again the the center for connected health care policy website is a great resource they they have a a a report that they produce each year where they identify which states have these pair parity laws which states have medicaid um, legislated uh, medicaid coverage and then they have other resources as well.
1: And that's called the Center, say that again, Center for?
0: Center for Connected Health Care Policy. Let me...
1: Connected okay. Health Care Policy. Okay, that's great. Um, yeah. Just wanted that to be nice and clear for our, our listeners, because that sounds like, a, you've mentioned it a couple of times already, it sounds like it could be a great resource for people who are trying to learn and, and stay up to date on information. Is, is that one of your primary resources?
0: That that is one of my resources. Yeah, I, I utilize that as well as the individual payers' websites. Yes, uh, to identify what they cover, what they don't cover. In the absence of a private private payer parity law, then I have to go to the uh, individual payers' websites.
1: Let, let's talk about that a little bit about these payer policies. What what's the the variety that you've been seeing um, in payer policies? What types of things are you seeing? That's similar. What things are maybe different? Yeah, that's,
0: that's that's a good good question. Medicare, I think, is the the start of where a lot of people be, well, it is where everyone starts. Medicare has very strict guidelines, some of which include geographic requirements. They only cover uh, patients who present from a non uh, a non metropolitan statistical area or a health professional shortage area. Ah. They have a spe- website where you can put in your, your address to see if you have coverage. Okay. And it's not the ad of where you actually live. It's where the address of where you present. Okay. So Medicare does not cover direct-to-consumer telehealth. The okay. patient must, in a clinical setting, whether that's a hospital or a, a clinic or... They, they have a, a short uh, a list of, of various settings that they present from or that they can present from for coverage. Okay. But the home currently is not one of those areas. Okay. Uh, are there
1: some payers who do cover from home? Like maybe private yeah, payers? There,
0: some private payers do. Uh, the majority of our national payers, at least in, in in our market here, I have not found great coverage. Okay. Um, United Healthcare follows Medicare fairly closely, in that they have, the, in that the, p- the patient must present from a clinical setting. However, they do not have the rural or the uh, the H the health professional shortage area non MSA uh, coverage. Okay. So they can present from any clinic or any hospital, but but they still have to present from those from those clinical settings.
1: Okay. I've seen, um, you know, you and I are both in the same local uh, region. Um, I've seen some um, ads and some marketing for, um, you know, call us on your phone or do FaceTime on your phone, and if we don't, if you have to come in anyway, then we won't charge you for that phone call. It'll just be bundled into, like, some sort of, in person visit. Have you seen these types of things? Does this ring a bell?
0: Yes, yes. This is something that we. Uh, this is a service that we at Intermountain provide. In okay. This direct uh, to consumer over phone or on your laptop or on your tablet, depending on where you're at, uh, and you can see a provider and have a anywhere from a five to ten minute wait with no travel time, as long as you uh, as long as you're. Uh, insurance company covers it. Okay, uh, we have had to individually negotiate those contracts with the payers. Gotcha. Uh, you know, that's that's a little bit difficult in terms of uh, ex- expanding yes. these services, but but that's something that we have had to do.
1: Yeah, but you know, I really appreciate that kind of innovation in general. I know it might take some years for it to like come into mainstream, but you know, somebody has a lesion on their skin or a cut or something, you know, like, you know, do I need to come in for this or can I let it heal? Or, you know, it looks like it's getting worse. I just think I'm thinking more along the innovation lines. I think how much healthcare could improve if these telehealth principles can be adopted, you know, and that reimbursement can follow. And so that um, innovation can truly kind of flourish. I, I think there could be a lot of benefits there.
0: Oh, there, there are definitely a lot of benefits, uh, both to the to the patient, to the healthcare organization who's looking to cut uh, to cut costs, right? To insurance companies who are also looking to cut costs. It's it, in many scenarios this is a, uh, a an area of of innovation and improvement. Yeah, it's exciting to me.
1: Um, so, uh, Jake, we have about maybe five or six minutes left. I wanted to save some time for this last kind of topic here about um, documentation, coding, modifiers, place of service. Can you tell us a little bit about the nuts and bolts of that and how that relates to telehealth? Sure.
0: Yeah. With uh, about two years ago, maybe two and a half years ago now, Medicare um, came out with a new place of service. We'll start there. Uh, They created place of service 02, and that was to go on all professional claims. Okay for uh, professional services. Now, as time has gone on, uh, and in fact, just in the last six weeks, I've, well, most payers have adopted this place of service. However, there are a few handful of payers that have resisted to take on place of service 02. So this is an area in which uh, identifying the payer policy will be very important for submitting the claim. Yep. So we have places for service zero two. 2 um, In terms of modifiers, there are four, maybe five modifiers, depending on the payer, that, that you'll have to take into consideration. Historically, the GT modifier is the known as the telehealth modifier, and that is identifying services that are provided via interactive two-way audio-video communications. Okay. And that... That modifier has been in place for over a decade now. Wow. It may date back even to to around 2000, 2001, 2002, somewhere in there. Okay. Uh, Most recently, the AMA, so the GT modifier is a HCPCS modifier. Right. Created by Medicare. Uh, Most recently, either at the beginning of 2017 or 2018, the AMA came out with the 95 modifier, which is very, very similar uh, in terms of definition and scope as the GT. And it was created so that those payers who don't recognize the HCPCS modifiers will have a modifier that they can put into their system. Okay. Um, most recently, January 1 of this year, the G0 modifier was created for by Medicare for Telestroke services. And the reason they created the G0 modifier was to identify those claims that are for telestroke. Um, as part of the, the uh, Bipartisan uh, Budget Act of 2018, Congress made one exception to the geographic requirement, and that was for telestroke services. Okay. As long as patient presents from a hospital, a critical access hospital, or a mobile stroke center, they will pay for uh, telestroke services. But all of those have to be identified with the G0 modifier. Okay. But that's just for Medicare. If you go to the other private payers, they will either want the GT modifier or the 95 modifier, depending on their policy. Okay. So across the board, and this this goes for more than just Telestroke, but telehealth in general, different payers want different modifiers and or different codes for the exact same service. Oh, boy. So just a little bit difficult. We've had, to do, we've had to create modifier flexes and coding flexes in our EMR to, to help account for this so that the providers don't have to take that into consideration when they're coding for these services. Is there an
1: example that comes to mind where that where you might be able to illustrate that? Is it like um, an e code or something like that?
0: Yeah, most regularly it's, it's E&M codes, uh, especially on the inpatient side. Most services on the inpatient side are provided, uh, most, most of these services are consultative services. Okay. So Medicare has created the G0425 through G0427 codes. Okay. And those are inpatient and emergency room telehealth consultation. Oh, okay. And payers uh, cover those codes. However, there are a handful of payers out there um, and these may be more of your local payers, that say, we don't cover consultation codes. So we don't want you to report a consultative code for this service. We want you to report just an initial inpatient code with the GT modifier.
1: Uh-huh. So but report you- code 99221
0: through 223 with the GT, as opposed to the go 425 through go 427 with the GT modifier.
1: Gotcha. So that's a great example of where the exact same clinical service that's being provided would be coded and reported with different codes and modifiers depending on the payer. Exactly. Yeah, really interesting. Well, that is great. You know, we're kind of coming to the end here, but I want to give you last minute or two. Anything in telehealth that, you know, you like, you just think people would really want to know about or something that you didn't get to share that um, really would ring that uh, true to our listeners.
0: Yeah, I think there is there's a lot of movement in the industry for further coverage for telehealth. Medicare, notwithstanding their very strict definition of telehealth, Medicare is trying hard to expand where they can within their within their scope. Right. So without having to get permission from Congress or have without an act of Congress, right. they are trying to identify certain services which recently uh, they did as part of this Bipartisan Budget Act of 2018, they expanded a whole host of services that most people would call telehealth, but Medicare says this is not telehealth, and because they say it's not telehealth, they don't have to follow Uh, the restrictions in the Social Security Act. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, interesting. So
0: there are are a number of new services um, that are identified uh, most recently, in the, in the uh, Medicare Physician Fee Schedule final rule uh, for 2019 that was released, I believe in November of 2018, Okay. they outline of those services, and that is now part of the Federal Register.
1: Great, really, so, in, really interesting, Jake. I feel like we could probably have this topic covered every year, and there'd probably be a lot of new information because it, you know there's advances and changes in policy and legislation and, and coding and all that because it's kind of one of those it's one of those areas that tends to be moving forward um, a lot I, I sense
0: yeah yeah there are some to be brief there are some payers who revise their telehealth policy three four times a year and <laughs> you have you have to continually recheck their website once a quarter to make sure they haven't changed it that
1: is some, you know what you just said I think that's great. Great advice. In this area, you know, like on some things that we do, it's like we check it once a year because um, it's never changed in the last 10 years. But that's such a great point that you make is that uh, anyone listening, if you're involved in telehealth services, you got to kind of up the ante a little bit and be checking quarterly, at least, is what you're saying, um, for any changes. Yeah. Well, Jake, thank you so much for your expertise. You're obviously um, live and breathe this stuff, and it's so great to talk to somebody who, who, who knows the ins and outs. Uh, thank you for your time.
0: Thank you. I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to chat with you. This is,
1: great. And this thank uh, you to...
0: It, sorry, go I'm ahead. I'm very passionate.
1: Yeah. It sounds sorry. like
0: it. This is an area in which I'm very passionate about.
1: Absolutely. And we, we appreciate that. Um thank you to all our listeners for listening in uh, for another episode. Until next time, take care.
0: Compliance Conversations is sponsored by Healthicity. Healthicity designs software and services that simplify compliance and auditing challenges that reduce your risk and save you money. Where others see complexity, we see simplicity. For more information, visit healthicity.com.